everyone. Welcome to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. We're so glad you're joining us to hear another message this week. And we wanted to take just a minute to let you know that things are probably going to sound a little bit different over the coming weeks. Obviously, we're all living in the era of the coronavirus. And so we're recording our messages from different places right now. We are trying to stay out of our our building and off our campus. Uh, We're trying to honor social distancing and things like that. So we are recording from homes and from offices and from computers all over the place. Uh, So things may sound different, but we're going to continue to bring you message content every week. Uh, In addition, we want you to know that you can still stay connected with us even though we're apart. Head over to our Facebook page. You can join our Seven Runners Facebook group as well. Or go to sevenrun.com slash COVID-19 help. Uh, there you'll find some resources, ways that we can pray for you, things like that. I'll tell you a little bit more about those specifics after the message. For now, we hope that you enjoy this week's message. Hey, Seven Run. Welcome to Sunday morning. Uh, it's an honor for um, for me to, to be with you in this apart kind of way. And I just want to say thank you so much for... Um, for tuning in and joining us today. I also just want to say thank you so much to all of you who are guests and and friends or who new new to Seven Run. We we welcome you and we're honored that you're here. Today I want to kind of jump right in it. Um, and I've really struggled this week uh, to to kind of frame the message uh, because there's so much going on and and I want to acknowledge all that is going on in terms of the uncertainty of our world. Um, you know, in terms of the the newness of being, you know, essentially kind of quarantined. I mean, this is just a a, a strange new world that we're living in. All the realities of of schooling at home and and of being together as family, many of us twenty four seven. I acknowledge all those realities, but today on the the, the edge of Easter, I, I want to draw your attention away from those things for a moment, so that you can can interpret all of those things in light of the vision of God. And what I want you to do today, above everything else, is not to live in a vision of fear and scarcity, um, a vision of insecurity and, 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 you know, and inadequacy, but, but to live inspired out of the overflow of God because of Jesus, because of Easter, because of what God's grace has done to redeem a broken world. And so I'm going to ask you at the end of this message to... To, to, to live the vision of God by becoming a servant of grace. And, and at home and, and, and in all of the, the, the time that you're going to have together to, to become a servant of grace and, and truly allow the grace of God to rise in your life, that you're growing in grace, increasing in grace, that you're living grace-dependent, and that you're changed after this, and not for the worse. I'm telling you that I believe God can reinvent the church um, I, I, God can can redirect the church, and and He can can speak to each one of us and give us a new vision. What is God's vision? Well, God's vision is to beautifully redeem a, a badly broken world. And I just kind of want to remind you of some of the obvious things this morning. So, what I may say to you may not even be that profound in a sense, but it is foundational, and and it is um, a, a focus that will lift and inspire your living in a completely new way. God, the, the, the scripture says, sent Jesus to change our lives. And I want to remind you that, that God does have a vision and that we are called out of a vision of brokenness and fear and we're called to live out of his vision. So 
living so up close and so personal at home these days. Let me just take you up to 50,000 feet to live another vision. And let me remind you of the reality of Easter. We are one week away. So how did God go about accomplishing this vision of redeeming a badly broken world um, by by his, his grace? Well, he did it by sending his grace into the world. And the scripture says in John chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, that, that, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he, he allowed us to see his glory. Uh, the glory of his one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And out of his fullness, out of the fullness of God, out of the fullness of heaven, out of the overflow of God's love for us that, that came to earth one Bethlehem night, we have received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So, so we live in, in a world that has an option now. We don't just have to live in a dying down world that is so susceptible to, to, um, to virus, to broken, to, to evil, and, and to bad. We've been invited into grace. Let me in, invite you into the Easter part of, of grace and, and how grace worked. Let me just tell you the story if I can. It's the story that really isn't pleasant to hear. It's a story that we don't like to look too closely at, and we certainly don't want to kind of identify with any of the characters of this story, but I, I, I think we need to today, because here's what we did to grace. The scripture says that, that Pilate offered to, to let grace go, to let grace off the hook, but we shouted all the louder, crucify him, crucify him. And in Matthew 27, Pilate responded in, a, in an evasive, um, you know, cowardly kind of way. Um, it's your responsibility. What do you want me to do with him? And they shouted all the more, give us Barabbas and crucify him. So Pilate had Jesus flogged, which is a horrible um, uh, torture in and of itself. And then he sent him away to be crucified. The governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium. They gathered the whole company around him. Uh, imagine all of the vision of these soldiers. And there's Jesus in the center of them. And their vision of him is not as the gift of grace, uh, redeeming a badly broken world. Their, their vision of him is as a lie. And so they beat him. And they mocked him. They, they wove a crown of thorns with, with thorns an inch and a half or longer. And they drove it into his scalp. And they, they beat him. They spit on him. They hit him in the face. They took a, a staff and they hit him over the head. And they mocked him until they were just simply tired and it, and it wasn't sport anymore. And after they had mocked him, they ripped the robe off of his bloody back and they put his own clothes on him, and led him away to crucify him. The baby born in Bethlehem, to, to the, the shouts of angels and the acclamation of shepherds, the baby celebrated with, with a, a proclamation of peace on earth, is, is now the, the grace of God crucified by a world that didn't understand God's vision, didn't see what God saw, and, and saw the invasion of love as, as a threat to life. 
And so they were carried him away. They made Simon carry his cross. And verse 35 of Matthew 27 says, When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. They saw some value in Jesus, a few dollars for a few rags. And above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. What a vision of God. And this was, this was a vision, you know, written above Jesus' head by, by religious people, by, by those of us who claim to know God and see God and love God. Two rebels were also crucified with him. Nobody understood Jesus. Not even those who were feeling the same pain with similar nails. And they said, as they mocked him and hurled insults at him and shook their heads, the, the people walking by him, passing left and right, hurled insults and, and said, Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the Son of God. Their vision of, of this man on the cross was a, a vision of no God, of no Savior, of no answer to their pain and their scarcity and their need and, and their lack of a paycheck. This one they saw crucified was no answer to, to the problems in their marriage or the problems with their children. They, they didn't see the Son of God. They saw nothing of worth or nothing of value, nothing that would change their pain on earth. And they mocked him. And the chief priests in the same way did the same thing and, and said, He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants to. And if he does, we'll believe in him then. And this is the guy who said, I'm the son of God. In the same way, everyone around, including the, the rebels crucified with him, heaped insults. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. I mean, think about this. Get, get the vision. The, the, the earth itself, the, the cosmos, the creation is responding more to what's going on than, than just about any human heart there. And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm, I'm telling you, if anything convinces me of the authenticity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's these words, quoting Psalm 22. Jesus was honest with what he felt. He, he faced the truth of what he felt, and then he made a truth-based choice, and he turned and he cried out to God. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, Matthew 27, 50 says, he gave up his spirit. He gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. All of humanity that Jesus was sent to save, the light in the dark that he, that he came to bring, he was the Son of God who shone brighter than the sun, and we were blind to it all, and the earth responded to our blindness by itself going dark for, for these hours. And the scripture goes on to say that the earth shook and the rocks split, the tombs broke open, the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. It, it is as though as, as the grace of, of Christ's blood uh, poured out onto the earth that the, the earth had to respond and, and to give up some of its deadness. And people came to life. They came out and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. And when the centurion, those centurion and those with him uh, who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. 
guys, I just want to, uh, to, to, to ask, um, you know, uh, just uh, again, uh, a 35 foot question. If the 50,000 foot reality is to be reminded of what God's vision in Christ was, it's to beautifully redeem a badly broken world. Every part of it, every life in it, nobody left behind, nobody left out, nobody ignored. God's vision was to redeem every broken man and woman ever born in love and bring them to himself. That's why he came. That's why he died. He didn't do it so we could play church, that we could lie and call buildings a church, so that we could come once a week and, and be proud of our holiness and we could tip God with, with some of our, some of our, our wealth. Jesus came to bring us grace and make us grace. That's why he did this. And so in the midst of, of, of our hardship and our suffering, we need to remember Easter. And we need to at least ask ourselves the question, what if our vision of God's been wrong? Uh, a little bit or a lot. What if, what if it's been wrong? What if, our, our, what if we've been getting God wrong? What if, what if our vision of God's been selfish? You know, in, in the, the scripture that I, that I want to share with you today is, is from Matthew chapter 21. And it's this one prophecy from the Psalms that is kind of the heart of everything. It's this strange kind of obscure prophecy that, that, that sums up in a nutshell the whole heart of, of our, our, our encounter with this, this Christ on earth or, or after earth. And it is this, anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and anyone who this stone falls on will be crushed. Let me give you the background of that real, real quickly. The, the, the scripture, you know, in, in the last few days of Jesus' life, in Matthew chapter 21, tells of encounter with, uh, after encounter with, 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 quote, God's people and, and those who, who should know better, who should have seen the vision of grace in the flesh. And, and time and again, we, we get it wrong. In verse, um, you know, 12 of chapter 21 of Matthew, um, it's the story of Jesus in the temple. And, and there he is in the temple and we got it wrong. And Jesus drives out all the, the, the people buying and selling, serving selfish interests and said, my house will be a house of prayer, but you've made it a, a den of thieves. Even in the temple, where it should have been most right, we got it most wrong. Jesus walks by a, a fig tree in verse 18 and, and found nothing on it but leaves, and, and he curses it, and, and the, the fig tree withers up. But what's that a picture of? It's a picture of the frustration and the judgment of God on, on people who claim to be knowing him and living his life and, and aren't. In verse 23, they, they question the authority of Jesus and, and say, who do you think you are to, to be teaching what you're teaching? And, and Jesus just kind of dismisses their, their insanity with, with a non-answer. He tells the parable of two sons who represent Israel and, and the Gentiles and, and those who believe and who don't. And, and he said that there was a, a, son, a man who had two sons, and he, and he told him to go and essentially kind of work in the vineyard. One said, I will, and he didn't. The other said, I won't, and he did. And Jesus said, which one of these did God's will? And, and they said, well, I guess the one who went. And the, the point of the story is 
that there are many of us religious people who've been saying, yes, God, I want to live your vision and do your will, but we haven't done it. And how that breaks the heart of God and really mocks the grace of Christ, just like those people standing at the foot of the cross and and mocking Jesus as he bled out. When we when we claim to have been radically changed by grace and, and we do not live the grace of God, our, our vision of, of, of life isn't becoming the grace of God, how, how it must break the Father's heart. And then Jesus told the, tar- the parable of the tenants about... Um, creating a vineyard and, and, and then putting some stewards in charge of it. But when he sent his, his servants back to, to uh, get the fruit of, of the, the vineyard, they, they beat them and then, and then eventually they, they kill the son. And it's at that point we come to the point of what I've just strangely and oddly felt sh- shared, led to share with you this, this morning. In Matthew 21, verse 43 Jesus said to those religious people like us, Have you never read in the scriptures that the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? And what this is a reference to is in the building of a temple or any um, major building, the cornerstone was was the the perfect stone for strength in the corner. It marked the quality of the building. Um, It marked the strength of the building, carefully cut, carefully designed, and and it was the perfect stone for for the edge and and making sure that everything would be be straight and level and, and true. And the scripture says that Jesus is God's cornerstone for everything that he wants to build in in redeeming human life. But all of us looked at the stone that God created so carefully and intentionally, and we found it deficient. We found it wanting. We, We rejected it. The Lord has done this, and it's marvelous in our eyes, quoting Psalm 118. Therefore, Jesus says in Matthew 21, 43, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. And anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. Guys, I just want to share with you today that we can stand on our pride and our control uh, and control our own lives, or we can fall in humility and we can become servants of grace. Anyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, and anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. And this is, this is a picture of, of how we respond to God's vision of grace. Um, if we fall on the stone, if, if our pride is broken and, and crushed, and th- then, then we can be healed, and grace can do its redeeming, life-giving work, and, and we can have the love and the joy and the peace of God overflowing in our lives. We can live with purpose and and, and we can give God control of our life and trust Him joyfully during our days on earth. But the scripture said, anyone on whom the stone falls will be crushed. Meaning, I think, that if we ignore Jesus in this world, if we get Him wrong, if we see the grace of God become flesh and, and dismiss it and diminish it and, and kind of set it aside as the relevant answer to our lives, then And the scripture says we are going to be judged by that. And those of us who chose, instead of having our pride crushed and and receive the grace that is the oxygen of our soul necessary to live, that, that, that those of us who choose to reject this grace, minimize the grace, set aside the grace of God, that we will stand one day before God 
and we will be utterly crushed in our own pride and in our, our, our own uh, illusion of control. In Luke chapter 18, there's this beautiful story of what it looks like to, to become a servant of grace and, and the extent of it and, and, and the humbling nature of, of just a completely crushed ego and pride. In Luke chapter 18, verse 9, the scripture says this, To some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself a long way off and, and, and cried out in this prayer, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I own. The tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his chest and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I tell you, this man rather than the other one went away justified before God. Because everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled and everyone who humbles themselves will be exalted. And that's their choice of, 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 you know, of, of our destiny this Easter. To stand in our own pride and in all of our own human efforts to control the world around us. But I got to ask you, I got to be ask you, be honest with you. Good grief, what's it going to take to, to rattle your world and your pride enough to to reveal to you, you're not in control of this world. Isn't this virus in some way just, uh, you know, an, an in-your-face reminder that you can't control anything? Even the number of hours that you have to live on earth, you're not in charge of that. You're going to die. Why in the world would we not reach for the grace of God and live? I tell you, I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the answer for for our life in the world, that God's vision is right, that I am broken, that that I am without hope unless it's a vain and arrogant and, and, and lying hope that I create my vision of life. I am without a real hope in this world except the vision of a God who brought grace to life in Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge you today to to accept grace. I think we've been getting it wrong as a church. I think many of us have taken grace way too lightly in our own lives. I think many of us are are missing the will of God in our own lives and, and dismissing the will of God as kind of an option. No, God's vision of your life is for you to be a powerful servant of of, of his grace in this broken world, that you have given up your life completely dead to yourself as Christ was dead in the tomb, and that you've experienced grace in a way that changes your attitude and your vision of everything, even of yourself, that you have been graced, and now that you're graced, you are willing to grace others. And, and once you were dead, and now you're alive, and and you're alive with Christ, and you're alive in Christ. Guys, that's got to mean something more than just playing church. It's got to mean something in a bad and a broken world, a badly broken world. 
It's got to, it's got to rise up inside of you and, and it's got to crumble your self-sufficiency and it's got to crumble the, the lies of sin and, and, and temptation and, and, and the, the illusions of satisfaction in this world. There's, there was a time in my own life when, when my world was broken on the rock and I'm so grateful for it. The scripture is true. Absolutely, when it says anyone on whom this stone, uh, anyone who falls on the stone will be broken to pieces, and anyone on whom the stone falls will be will be crushed. You and I have the choice in this season, this Easter season, this season of resurrection and hope and in eternal life. We have the choice of humbling ourselves before God, of, of looking at the grace of God nailed to the cross and saying, "Oh my." God, what is going on there? Why? Why did that happen? And what does it mean to me? And what must I do in response to this Jesus? And I'm telling you, anything less than, than having your heart completely crushed and broken by the love of God and having your life changed so that now Jesus is in charge of it. It's not your life anymore. You have no right to marginalize Jesus and, and set him aside and, 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 and let him in on the edges and, and think that, that doing a little uh, church is good enough. That, that's a mockery. That's getting it wrong like all the people in Matthew 21 got it wrong. Jesus wants you to become a servant of grace and, and to live God's vision. And we can do that. You can become a powerful servant of grace. And on the other side of this, this virus, and there will be another side, and on the other side of our apart, and we will be together again. We can become the church of Jesus Christ as it was meant to be. We can become the grace of God that lives, even though we're broken and not perfect, we can live the love of Jesus in ways that, yes, it costs us, we struggle, uh, we, we cry, but, but, but we live a vision of, of, of what God has done for us on the cross, and it changes us. And, and by God, it should change other people as well. And so the choice of, for all of us today is a choice between our lives um, and, and a vision of our lives controlled by grace and love or by pride and, and, and selfishness. I want to remind you in your pain and your hardship and your uncertainty that Easter has come. And that on the cross, Jesus Christ beat all the bad and the broken in this world. And he gave us life because he gave us grace. What are you going to do with grace? I want to ask you, to the best of my ability, to receive his grace in a way that, that isn't just a little bit of, of patina on the outside, but it's you falling on the rock of Christ and Jesus wrecking everything in your life. Bob Goff said, your faith will will destroy every earlier version of you. And letting God do the work that he wants to do in you and through you and in your family and in your future. Fall on Jesus. Don't wait for the day where, where the, the judgment of God falls on you. Fall on Jesus. 
and let God do a new work in you. Let him make you new. Call on the name of Jesus and grow in his grace. You've got the time to do it. You're at home. (laughs) You've got the time. You've got the perfect field to begin your family. And on the other side of this, I believe we can experience an incredible revival an incredible new beginning as the church of Jesus Christ. We are that much closer to the time when the trumpet resounds, the skies are parted, Jesus returns, and he looks to see who lived God's vision. Let's be those people. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that in every one of your homes, that we would believe in the reality of what you have done in Bethlehem on the cross, And that we would see the reality of your vision of grace coming to life. Even though we put it to death, your grace came to life again. May we see the reality of your grace come to life as our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Messages podcast today. We hope that you are encouraged by Pastor Drew's message. And we want you to stay encouraged and stay healthy. And so we have a couple of resources for you during this time of COVID-19, where unfortunately we have to be apart, but we are hoping that you don't have to be alone. So head over to sevenrun.com slash COVID-19 help. That's all one word. There we've got a couple options for you. You can sign up for a prayer request. You can send a prayer request uh, for yourself or for someone else. You can also sign up for support, again, for yourself or someone else. And finally, you can sign up to be part of our response team. That team right now is working on setting up our building to be a food bank, as well as uh, setting up a time for us to hold a blood drive. You can, again, find those at sevenrun.com slash COVID-19 help. Ultimately, we just hope that you're staying healthy, staying encouraged, stay plugged in, follow us on Facebook, uh, join our Seven Runners Facebook group. Um, We're trying to put out content every day that will encourage you through this time where, again, we have to be apart, but we are not alone. Have a good day.